Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Series about breaking cycles. You're not going to be able to break out of a cycle if you're not in faith that God is capable and able and willing and wanting to set you free. Everything we do in life is about faith. Everything we breathe, everything we, we, we just, every step we take, we take a step of faith because we are faith people, amen? And God said that his just ones shall live by faith. You know, I'm getting my notes ready for this weekend and I noticed in at least four different times throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, New Testament, that phrase keeps repeating itself. My just ones shall live and one, one translation, one scripture in Habakkuk, it says, my just ones shall live by their faith, by their faith. And that's important, especially with the topic we're talking about tonight. If you, if you, if you yourself have had uh, difficulties breaking out of life-controlling cycles, okay, you're going to have to live by your faith. Why? How many have ever tried to sit down and talk to somebody about what you're going through, and they've never been through anything you're, you're talking about, and you know, they're nodding and they're saying, yeah, I understand, but they can't understand why, because they haven't been through it. You know, I talked about this on the weekend. I shared about how my, my past, I mean, I suffered from anxiety, panic attacks, I mean, brutal panic attacks from the time I was in my early teens until the time I was 27 years old when I got born again. You know, it was a horrible thing to live through, and especially in that, I feel like that part of my life got robbed. Uh, and then when you would try to sit down, especially as a guy, Okay, you try to sit down and tell somebody what you're going through, and they're going, yeah, but they, you know the, in their eyes that yeah doesn't mean anything, because and, and, you know, they give you the classic statement. Anybody with a panic attack problem or anxiety or any of these things, what's the first thing somebody tells you when you tell them what you're going through? Oh, it's just in your head. Well, of course it's in my head. Like I said Sunday, it's not my feet. Of course it's in my head. I'm going through this mental battle. So you telling me it's all in my head doesn't help me. Any, you know, that doesn't do a thing for me, okay? <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, so, 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 so I had to learn very quickly, and I thank God. Oh, my God, I'm so grateful that when I got born again, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know my left hand from my right hand. I, didn't, I was literally stumbling in the darkness, but I had a God that cared for me so much that he made sure that he put me in a church where faith was being taught that, the, that the, the, the truth of the word was being emphasized and the power of the word of God. I, I, I feel sorry for Christians that were not raised in an atmosphere where faith was, was nurtured and were encouraged to walk by faith and challenged to walk by faith. Why? Because you're going to get it done much quicker when it's just you and God. Did you ever, did you ever go on a job and, and you got like four or five people that are with you and everybody else is standing around chewing their fingers and drinking coffee and nothing's getting done and your stomach is in knots because you know you got a deadline and things have to get finished and you're like, okay, guys, come on, let's go. Okay, guys, come on, let's go. Okay, guys, come on, let's go. Nobody wants to do anything. Well, it's like that sometimes when you're trying to depend on somebody else's prayers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm praying for you. No, you're not. Don't lie to me. I, listen, I'm not perfect in this, but I have tried to really discipline myself 
Like, if you ask me to pray for you, I'm going to try to do it right there in the spot. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm going to forget later. I mean, it's not like we got 15 people in this church. You know what I'm saying? So, so if you ever ask me that, I give you permission to say, oh, no, no, you're not walking away. Pray for me right now. <laughs> or at least if I'm really, really exhausted or something like that, at least allow me to hand you over to somebody else that's going to pray effectively. And I'll tell them, no, no, pray right now. Pray right now. Why? Because we do that. It's a religious thing. We just say, yes, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, I'm keeping your prayer, brother. I'm keeping your prayer, sister. You know darn well they're going to forget about you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to myself tonight? Because life is complicated. Life is busy. Yes or no? So, so now watch this now. So if you don't learn how to use your faith to break through the cycles, breakthrough, a military movement or advance beyond an enemy's frontline defense. It's an act or instance of removing or surpassing an obstruction or restriction. It's the overcoming of a stalemate. Man, if that's not, if that's not addiction, I don't know what is. A stalemate, a stalemate. And the devil will let you talk like you're free. But try to get free. He'll, he'll call a truce, okay? Stalemate, stalemate. But as soon as you start trying to really get free, man, the claws just get right back in there again. And so you've got, to, you've got to learn how to use your faith. You've got to have faith to get a breakthrough. Get on the other side. Last week, and now I remember what I taught last week. I, I couldn't remember until, until just before. I, I asked Linda, and I said, how far did I get my notes last Wednesday? She goes, not far at all. <laughs> I talked about the difference between a breakthrough and a threshold experience. Many of us need threshold experiences. What is a threshold experience? Threshold experience, when, when God brings you through something that you could say, okay, that was then and this is now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I, I remember my threshold experiences with God where life just completely changed. It was, oh, no, that was Joe then. This is Joe now, okay? So we talked about the ingredients for a breakthrough. And I want to try my best tonight, so, so, so leave me alone. Let me teach, okay? I want to try my best tonight to really make some progress here. Ingredients for breakthrough. Number one, and I can't stress this enough, all change begins with desire. Now, I know nobody in this room would ever do this, but you know people that they claim they want change. They claim, I don't want, I don't want this life anymore. I don't want, okay, well, then why do you keep buying Oreos? And why is there like five gallons of ice cream in your freezer? Oh, Pastor, I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I want to I get healthy again. Yeah, when you come to your house and it's like pizzas all over the place and 15 cases of soda and potato chips by the five-gallon drum. You see what I'm saying? I mean, how, I know we're joking about this, and, and I'm, I'm using food because that's probably the most common life-controlling issue that many of us go through. Uh, but, but how bad do we really want it? How bad do we, you know? You know, I, I've gone so far to tell some of my staff here, you know, if you see me eating something, slap it out of my hands. But they know they're going to lose their job if they do that. <laughs> You know, in love, 
All change begins with desire. How bad do you want it? Because desperate people will do desperate things. When you're desperate and nothing changes until we change something, we have to initiate it. And you know, if you think about it, because I could hear somebody in this side going, yeah, well, you know, I really want God to be the one to do this. And God's waiting for you. The ultimate step of faith is when we take a step knowing that God's going to honor it. Thank you for that one amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I'll preface it with this. Do you want it bad enough to ask? Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks does what? Receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, again, forgive me, and I hope I never come across as one that's talking a lot about myself, but I only know my story. I don't know yours. If I knew yours, I would use you. Um, 1994, at that point, I was a Christian. I mean Christian. I was born again about 10 years by that point in time. And that was a horrible year for me. And it was nothing on the outside. It was all internal. And it was really, I look back, I could look back now and realize it was the dealings of the Holy Spirit. How many have ever been in the clutches of the Holy Spirit when he's dealing with you? Oh, my Lord. And uh, I went to my wife one day and I said to her, this was late in 94, around the fall. And I said to her, something's got to change, Barb. I am, I am so miserable right now. I am so unhappy, so discontent. I feel so unfulfilled. And it wasn't a fulfillment of I need money, I need cars, I need houses. It was something on the inside. It was just like, just, it was like right in my face. You're not doing what God created you to do, okay? And uh, uh, I, I actually made an appointment with somebody who I consider like a, a spiritual mom. Uh, and I said to this individual, I said, I'm telling you what's gonna happen. Within the next six months, Uh, I'm either going to commit suicide, I'm going to completely backslide and go right back into the world and just cast off all restraint, or I'm going to go to Bible school and fulfill the call of God in my life. That's how miserable I was. But let me tell you something. That discomfort, that sense of, I hate my life. I, I hate, hate what, what I'm becoming. I hate how I'm feeling. I, I, I'm so dissatisfied. All I kept saying was, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this Christianity. There's got to be more. It can't just be what we're experiencing. It just can't be. There's got to be more. But that led me to start to change some things. I started getting back into the word of God in a sense where it's one thing when you read the word desperately. And another one, when you read the word of like, well, I guess it's, it's morning time. I should probably read the word for five minutes. How many of you know the difference between that? That desperation. And then uh, the Lord started putting on my heart specific books to read. And that got me through like that winter. And then that spring, now we're coming into 95, winter of 95, uh, spring of 95. Uh, I took a step because nothing changes until you change something, right? I took a step. I hired a manager for my business. Okay, thank God I could do it. Thank God the business could support that. And, and I hired a manager to start the business off every day. And for those of you who don't know, I was in the food business and, you know, 
it was very much dependent on a lunch trade and stuff like that. So I hired this manager, and obviously we had to take back a little bit, you know, less money every every week. And uh, so there's always sacrifice involved. Okay, do you, do you realize that? Because some people want change, they want freedom, but no sacrifice. Turn to somebody and say, oh, no, don't work that way. You hear what I'm saying? There's no change without sacrifice. Okay, you got you to do something, you know. I mean, if, if boats had feelings when you scrape those barnacles off, it would hurt. But, but it, 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 I mean, you know more than I do, they sail a lot better, don't they? Okay. So, so there's some, sometimes you just got to get the barnacles scraped. Okay, there's always sacrifice involving change. Um, so I hired this manager, and, and what I would do is, and I'm not telling you this so you think, oh, my pastor is so super spiritual. No, no, no. When you're desperate, you do desperate things. And so my arrangement was that this, my manager would go in in the morning, open up the place, and I would stay home after the kids went to school. I would stay home for two, three hours and just pray or just get in God's presence or read the word. I needed to hear where is my future going? I'm very discontent. I don't, if this is it, take me home. Okay, I'll provide for my kids. I'll make sure everything's right. I don't want to live like this. Okay? Um, I wanted to experience what, what Paul was talking about in Philippians, I believe it's chapter three, where he says we, we need to go find out the reason why Christ has taken hold of us. Okay, I needed to know that or I wasn't going to have a future. So I needed to change some things, and it took faith, but it started with a desire, and my desire was this. I don't want to go through life in a mediocre fashion. Are you, are you listening to me? Okay. Um, so it started with desire, and, and it, thank God the Lord gave me the faith to be able to take the steps I needed to take. But, you see, we can only respond to the Lord's drawing, but you have to respond. And I can't respond for you, and you can't respond for me. And that's where it comes in, that scripture in Habakkuk, I believe it's in chapter 2. My just ones shall live by their faith. I had to learn how to boost and to develop and nurture and strengthen my faith so I can break out of this cycle that I was in in 1994. Now, I had previously learned how to break out of the cycle in 1984, okay? Um, I don't have my Bible up here. I have my iPad. But if somebody could, somebody with a Bible that I can read with the print is big enough, um, no, you're disqualified. I see how small that one is. Luke chapter 2, I feel led to go in this direction tonight. Um, I don't want you to show your hands, but for anybody who is currently just experiencing panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, yeah, what, what version is that? Oh, no, I want a, re- I want a real Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, it's Luke chapter 1. Brian, is there, is there a tissue there, a handkerchief or something? Okay, thank you. 
Now, it's not a prayer cloth, so don't ask me for that. I'll get you another one. I need a king. I need a new King James. Now I want to take the time for this, please, because I want to share with you the scripture that the Lord used to completely set me free. Does that does that interest anybody? Okay. Because some of you, whether you're involved in it yourself or whether, yeah, here it is, Luke chapter two. That's what I said. Luke chapter two, verse sixty-eight. Luke chapter 2, verse 68, New King James Version. I know, Lynn, I'm throwing you a, a curveball here, but it's important. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 68. Luke chapter 1, that's what I said, Luke chapter 1, verse 68. What's the matter with you guys? Uh, again, Luke chapter 1, <laughs> verse 68. I'm reading to you from the New King James Version. All right, we can't do both here. We got to. All right. You, you see why you need to bring your Bible on Wednesday night? Me too. You ready? Okay, so here I am in the, in the grips of panic attacks. Anxiety, uh, just completely stressed out. Um, I'm born again now, but I'm still having these challenges. This is very early in like the first year. Uh, I'm still having challenges. I, I would get to church, pull in the parking lot, and then I would have to sit there and compose myself and read this scripture and confess it. When I say confess it, same to, to say the same as what the Bible says. Okay, before I could even get out of the car and walk to the front door, okay? And here's the scripture. When I saw this, it literally jumped off the page at me. All right, now again, now I know this is limited to those that are experiencing panic attacks and stuff like this, or any kind of fear. Um, somebody's having bad nightmares at night. Okay, so let, don't raise your hand. Just latch on to this, okay? Latch on to this. Now, to give you the context here, John the Baptist is just born. You remember the story. His father, Zacharias, was struck mute and could not speak from the moment that the angel spoke to him until actually a week after his son was born, okay? So now, finally, his speech has returned, and this is what comes out of his spirit, okay? Now, his father, 67 says, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and he raised up a horn of salvation. A horn always represents strength, okay? Uh, in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. Verse 71 starts what really starts to get in on the focus here. That we should be saved from our enemies. Now, it's not talking about people. Okay, it's talking about, remember, in the New Testament, in the church age, uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. We're, we're dealing with the demonic realm that attacks our minds, okay? That we should be safe from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72, 
to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. He's talking about all the promises that were made, uh, what we would call the Old Testament, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, again, watch this now, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him, God, without what? Fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That word fear in the original language is phobia. When I read this and I understood what this was saying, it was like, oh, wait a second. So, so Zacharias, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that it is God's desire that I would live before him without fear, listen, in righteousness and holiness, watch this now, how long? All the days of my life. Something snapped. You listening? Something snapped. I was like, oh, oh no. So I don't have to put up with this anymore because I am in covenant with God Almighty. Are you getting this? I'm in covenant with God Almighty. And that covenant includes, according to this promise, phobias have to break off of me. I don't care what kind of phobia it is. It's phobia, okay? Fear of spiders, fear of outdoors, fear of heights, fear of whatever, panic, anxiety, stress, all of these things. They don't, they are, they're illegal in the life of a believer. Why? Because it's contrary to the covenant that God made with us. Are you catching this? So, so, so the entrance of his word brings light where there's darkness. And I literally could feel like, I can breathe again. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you it didn't try to cling to me and it didn't try to come back. But now I had a weapon to use against this thing where previously I was just throwing myself on the mercy of God. Okay, what's wrong with that? Oh, it's okay when I don't have anything else. But God's my father, and God is a good God, and God redeemed me, not for me to constantly be throwing myself and begging, but God redeemed me so that I could take my place, stand on the word, get my sword of the spirit, and go to battle. Are you listening to me? How bad do you want it? I wanted it bad. I wanted to be able to be a father to my kids. I wanted to be able to be a husband to my wife. I wanted to be able to go sit in a restaurant and enjoy a meal without having to run out because all of a sudden a panic attack would come upon me. Are you listening to me? How many of you know what I'm talking about by personal experience? Okay. So, so I was willing to ask. I was willing to seek. I was willing to knock, and he was very much willing to answer. But, but you see, now, now please, what I'm about to say, don't get offended over it. Don't get offended over it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking on any particular person. But I notice that when, when somebody who claims to be desperate for change, when you ask that person, okay, well, I'm talking about Christian now. I'm talking about somebody who's been walking with the Lord knows the Bible, but well, what scriptures have the Lord put on your heart? 
What scriptures exactly have you been studying? What scriptures have you gone and found for yourself? Oh, well, you know, nothing in particular. Well, then what do you expect to receive? Nothing in particular. Did you come out tonight for me to teach something that's going to make you feel good or help us to change? Okay, so, so then don't, don't get all like, how did, I can't believe you said that. Don't get that way, okay? But again, my just ones shall live by their faith. Are you developing your faith? Because you see, if, and, and this happens a lot with people who, who suffer from cyclical life-controlling issues. You've usually, usually develop a network of people that you want to be able to depend on. But if, you, if your first dependence is not on God, now you have put yourself in dependence to another flawed human being who's most of the time got their own stuff that they're dealing with. I mean, does any of this make sense tonight? So, so you and I, we can't. Well, you know, I got my tribe. You know, I got my posse. No, but, but your posse and your tribe is sometimes more messed up than you are. And they're looking for somebody else to throw them a rope. And you're there like um, dependent on this person. Yes or no? You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians, we're complete in him. We're not complete in our network. Now, is a network important? Absolutely. But you see, that network, unless that network is made up of people who realize that they're flawed just like you, not going to be able to help you. And we want to break these cycles, right? We're tired of going through the same three week, everything is okay. And at the end of the three weeks, you're right back down in the bottom again, looking up. Hallelujah, Pastor. Keep preaching. This is so good. John chapter 5. What are we talking about? All change begins with desire. It all begins with desire. How much, how much do you want it? How bad do you want it? You know? Um, nah, I'm not going to go there. John chapter 5, verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Porches, where a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. I think I went over this last week, so I'm going to go through it real quick. And, and one who was, had been there in invalid for 38 years, 38 years, 38 years. Okay. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, that might have seemed harsh to that guy that was laying there for 38 years, but come on, Jesus is going, 38 years have been laying here, you know. How bad do you want it? Now, I know that seems harsh, but man, sometimes we just got to be truthful with one another. We really got to, sometimes we got to get in each other's face. If you really love somebody, you're not going to pet them and make them think they're okay. But we do it out of a heart of love. We don't do it out of a heart of ridicule or, or being condescending or, or out of pride, like I'm so much better than you. I'm not going through what you're going through. But we've, we've got to really, and Jesus is like, I want this guy to get better. But if he says he believes what he believes, that every once in a while an angel shows up and stirs the water, and we don't know that that was true. It's true that he said that, but we don't know that that was actually true. But if you believe that, then why didn't you at least in 38 years inch a little bit at a time? 
so that you're right there next to the edge of the pool and you could just flop in when this angel shows up. You know, I think Jesus located this guy. This guy's got a lot of self-pity issues. Let me tell you something, honey. Self-pity will kill you. Self-pity will put you in a grave or, or make you live like you're already in the grave. And, and you need to do, all of us need to do an inventory every once in a while. Just ask the Holy Spirit, please show me, show me. Am I, am I in self-pity? Have I, become, have I become the victim of my own pity party? Because that'll kill you. It'll kill you. Jesus asked the question over and over again, what do you want me to do for you? Mark chapter 10. I don't know that we got here last week, but we're going. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho, did I do this last week? No. Okay. Now they came, they as Jesus and the disciples. As they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which is really a description of what the Bartimaeus means. Bar Timaeus in Hebrew and Aramaic is son of Timaeus. So we don't really know his first name. We know his father, but we don't know his first name. Sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, the question is, how bad do you want it? Now we know this. Put yourself in the scenario here. Okay, he's right outside the city gates where everybody's going in and out. We know that there's a multitude now that's following Jesus in addition to his disciples, which don't always assume it's only the 12, because we know at one point there's about 500. We know there's at least 70 at one point and then the 12. So there's a lot of people here. And sometimes in a crowd like that, we don't like to admit that we need help. You see what I'm saying? We don't like to admit help. I mean, how many times in a service the Holy Spirit may speak to somebody, myself or somebody else in the leadership here or somebody that guest ministers something, and the Holy Spirit will, will say, there's a person here with such and such a condition. And, and, and we'll speak it out, and most times people respond, but then there's always that time where no matter how bad this person is and they're suffering, they don't want to receive what God just placed to them on a silver platter. And it's inevitable that after the service out in the lobby, I'm going to have somebody come up to you and go, that was me. And you want to go. It's like, how much more could the Holy Spirit do? Announced your condition. Told you you're here in the crowd. All he asked you to do was to acknowledge it and just come up and receive. How bad do you want it? You see what I'm talking about? How bad do you want it? So verse 48, and, they, and then he warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Why? Because he's desperate and he wants to get healed. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the, what? Blind man. Blind man. So we know what his problem is. We know what, his, we know what he needs. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer. In other words, cheer up. Rise, he is calling you. And verse 50 nails it. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now that does, might not mean much to you right now, but, but just give me a second here. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know. If I was there, I don't know if I could have held it. I think I would have been tempted to say to Jesus, are you joking? Are you joking? The guy's blind. And you're asking him what you want, what does he want you to do for him? The man's blind. 
Why is Jesus asking him this question? How desperate? How bad do you want it? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Whose faith? Whose faith? Jesus' faith? God's faith? The disciples' faith? Bartimaeus' faith. Now, what, why did Jesus say your faith has made you well? What demonstration of faith did blind Bartimaeus give Jesus? Go back to verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, many of you know the story, but for the sake of those that might not be familiar with this, a blind person in ancient times wore a specific garment that denoted that they were blind. Why? If you're driving down the street with your cart and your oxen or whatever, and you see somebody cross the street, obviously he can't see you, but you could see him, and you can see from far away, oh, he's blind. He's wearing the garment, the mantle, the, the shawl, the robe, whatever, of a blind man. But Bartimaeus knows Jesus is here. And so when I go to him, I'm not going to need this anymore. So he doesn't, oh, my God. He doesn't wait until he receives his sight. His first action is to get rid of what has been, what has been identifying him for all of his life as a blind man. I would say Bartimaeus was desperate for change. Yes or no? Yes. Why? Because if, if this doesn't work, he just made a fool of himself in front of a multitude of people. Are you catching this? Yes. How desperate are you for change? You know, are we willing to take some criticism? Are we willing to endure hardships? Are we willing to endure people's rude comments? Just like the disciples at first didn't want Bartimaeus, be quiet, be quiet, shut up, stop yelling. And the more they said to stop yelling, the louder he got. You listening? Psalm 107, verse 28. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. Amen? How desperate are you for change? Are you desperate enough to maybe involve people and bring them into your life and let them know what's going on so that you can be held accountable? And don't just say you want people to know what's going on in your life. Hold yourself accountable, okay? Maybe you need to go to somebody in your house and say, I'm giving you my password for my computer so that you can check where I've been and if you catch me up at night by myself at 3 o'clock in the morning in the dark, I'm giving you permission to go check that computer. You listening to me? Don't flinch. Don't wave your hand. Don't. Just take it in and go do something about it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, we're talking about ingredients for breakthrough. Is this helping anybody tonight? Okay. Don't judge your future by your past. The past is set. The future is being determined by today's beliefs, words, and action. I want to say it again because that's, that's a lot of wording there. 
Don't judge your future by your past. The past is set. The future is being determined by today's beliefs, words, and actions. Why is this important? Because you see, one of the tools that the enemy uses is guilt and condemnation. It's guilt and condemnation. And guilt and condemnation is the easiest way to get back in a cycle again. You fall, you screw up, you, you, you fall into sin. Now you beat yourself up for a couple of days. You get into that, well, I can't believe I did this again, can't believe I did this again, can't believe I did this again. And so then the next voice you'll start hearing, uh, the inspiration of the enemy is, you're just no good. You're never gonna break out of this. You did it again. What kind of Christian are you? You really think that God's gonna let you into heaven with this kind of conduct? Don't you think people around you that know what you're going through and you just start getting beat down and beat down and beat down? And so what's your next, the next tendency? is to go back into the same sin so that you can get gratified to get over the guilt of condemnation and you start the whole cycle all over again. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure that many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That same cycle over and over again. So, and again, again, John chapter five, which we just talked about, okay? The man at the, at the pool of Bethesda, okay? Um, this guy was bound to the past limitations. He said, I've been here for all these years and every time the angel shows up, somebody else gets in before me, boo-hoo. Don't you feel sorry for me, Jesus? (laughs) Bound to the past. You listening? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Bound to the past. I would venture to say this is probably one of the merciful, the most merciful acts of Jesus in the Gospels because it is very apparent that this man doesn't have any faith. Because as soon as you as soon as you address the issue, he's got the script ready. Well, what do you want from me? I've been here all these years, and every time the angel shows up, the water gets stirred, somebody else gets in before me. It's not fair. Not fair. Nobody wants to help me. I'm on my own. The truth is that that day presented an opportunity for him to change things, to change the conditions. What might be impossible, what, might have, what may have been impossible yesterday, in 24 hours, things can change and could become very possible today. But I come back again. Is, are you tied to your past? You see what I'm saying? Now, now again, I'm going to address this, and it's going to be like, uh, do I really have to go here? Yeah, I think I do. Have you, and I can't answer this for you, only you can answer it between you and God. You gotta have to be honest with yourself. Have you bound yourself to your past because people around you who know your past have been paying such special attention to you all these years? And the very prospect of busting out of your past presents the concern or the fear of Nobody's going to pay attention to you anymore. You see, 
I know nobody in here would ever do this. But some people identify with their tragedy. Some people learn to identify with their addiction. Some people learn to identify with their sickness, their condition, whatever it is. Some people identify with their depression. Because when you're depressed, there's somebody calling you every morning to see how you're doing. They're calling you at night before you go to bed to see how you're doing. So you got all this, all this, all this, all this, all this bad attention. But you, what you don't realize is you're training your mind to completely identify with the past because when the angel shows up and troubles the water, somebody else always gets it before you do. Yeah, I didn't expect anybody to get up and run around the room with excitement on that one. Okay? Um, yeah, I think I could do this. We've got about six, seven minutes left. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. You remember, I started out talking about the book of Judges last week when we introduced this, this series. And the book of Judges is a very interesting book because it is full of the characteristics of human nature and full of unhealthy cycles. The Israelites are in the promised land. Joshua's dead. That whole era is over. Now they're occupying the land. And now, just like what happens in certain people's lives, of course, again, nobody in here, a person gets free from the thing that was trying to destroy them, and then the novelty wears off, and you start to get into a rut now. And so here they are, the people of God, they're in the land that God promised them, they're living in houses they didn't build, they're, they're living in walled villages they didn't have to construct, they're drinking from wells they didn't, drink, they didn't dig, they're eating from vineyards that they didn't plant, They've got it good, life is good, and so what happens is they start to become complacent in their worship of the Lord. Because there's some people, again, nobody in here, but you might know somebody. There's some people that unless their back is up against the wall, they don't know how to raise their hands in worship. And it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And so they start these cycles where they're worshiping God, everything's good, they're enjoying the blessings of God, and then they start, yeah, we love you, we love you, we love you. What's that? We love you, we love you, we love you. Oh, what's that God? What are those people? How are their culture? Who are they worshiping? Wow, that looks pretty good. And now, yeah, one hand's on God, and the other hand is, oh, okay. And then eventually, eventually, it's full-blown, and that was the cycle. They're worshiping God, they're enjoying the blessings of God, they get bored, they start looking around, and, well, well, um, their worship and their, their services look a lot better. They've got temple prostitutes. Go read the Old Testament. I'm not making this up. Wow, we don't do that in our church. You see what I'm saying? And so now, now their attention is full-blown, full-blown attention. Okay? And now, now what happens? The, the hand of the Lord, now their blessing is restricted because of them, not because of God. So now they're getting what they worship. And you always get what you worship. You worship your, your money, you worship your possessions, you worship, that's what you're gonna get, the results of that. And so, so now they're on the downward spiral, they're suffering, it doesn't rain anymore, their crops are not growing, they're subject to all the bandits of all the different tribes around them who wait until their harvest is ready and then descend upon the land to do the most damage. And then when Israel is down and out and they got nothing, 
Now they start turning back to God and start going, oh, it was so much better when we lifted our hands and worshiped God. And so now the cycle turns around. Anybody, anybody can see the patterns here of human nature? You see what I'm saying? The whole book of Judges, just one cycle after another after another. And so by the time we come to Judges chapter 6, we've got a guy named Gideon. And I'm going to just go through this briefly for the sake of time. We'll, we'll start up here again next week, okay? All right? So then don't shut off on me now, okay? And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah. Not Winfrey, but Ophrah. <laughs> that belonged to Joash the Abizurite. So it's Joash who belongs to this family, the Abizurites, and he's got a son named Gideon, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. You don't thresh wheat. I know many of you know the story, but for the sake of those that might not be familiar, you do not thresh wheat in a wine press. Why? Because the very action of threshing wheat requires breeze and requires wind. And when you're in an enclosed walled area, even if there is a breeze, it's not hitting you because you're hiding behind a wall. So this is like a, a complete example and illustration of just insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, and, and it's never working. You see what I'm saying? So, so basically, Gideon is a coward. He's hiding from the Midianites because it's harvest time. They're trying to thresh their wheat, and he, he realizes the pattern is that their enemies wait until the harvest comes and then sweep in to rob them of the harvest so that they can never get ahead. Sound familiar? You, ne- you, never, you, just, you just finished paying off the car, and then a week later, the, the, the brakes go or the muffler goes, or they tell you, oh, you need a new transmission. Uh, you see what I'm saying? The, the enemy always waits till harvest time, okay? So the angel of the Lord shows up, which we realize is Jesus pre-incarnate, pre, before he appears in Bethlehem. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior is hiding behind a wine press. Are you listening? The mighty warrior, his knees are knocking together. But Jesus never calls us how we are. Jesus always calls us who he wants us to be. You getting this? He takes Simon, Shimon, and calls him Peter, the rock. Shimon means the weed that just waves in the breeze. No backbone. And so what does he call him? He doesn't call him Shimon. He calls him rock, Peter, Petros, okay? So so the angel of the Lord appeared and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here we go now, tied to the past. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Well, if I was there, I would have said, because you guys worship idols. Your father's a big idol worshiper. You've turned away from the Lord, and now because you're reaping the consequences of your decision, you've got the audacity to blame it on God. But Jesus is nicer than me, okay? But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? What is he tied to? The past. But now the Lord has abandoned us. Could you imagine Jesus? What a laugh he must have had on the inside. Jesus, I, again, Jesus is standing in front of him. The Lord is standing in front of him. And Gideon says, the Lord has abandoned us. And you can almost picture Jesus going,
The Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. No, the truth is they put themselves in the hand of Midian. Amen. So, so sometimes, and again, nobody in here, but you might know somebody. Sometimes it's easier to blame God for our problems. Amen? So my advice to us and to myself as well, do, do, not, do not ever entertain the thought, God did this to me. That was then and this is now. Gideon, is it true all he said? It's true all they were suffering. It's true that they had been given into the hand of the Midianites and they put themselves in that position to reap the consequence of their of their decisions and their conduct. But is it true that it's always going to be that way? No, of course not. Jesus is on the scene now. And he said, and verse 14 of the same chapter says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In the King James Version, if I remember correctly, and I think I do, it says, go in this thy strength. What does he mean? Gideon, I'm with you. That may have been then, but this is now. And I'm here, and I'm on the scene, and I'm willing to strengthen you, and I'm willing to empower you, and I'm willing to give you the ability to face your worst enemies, because the Midianites did not play nice. They were fierce warriors. They were thieves at heart. All they only cared about was robbing somebody else's harvest. Okay, but Jesus was on the scene to give him the strength to be able to turn around and face his enemies. You listening to me? I'll give you a real quick personal illustration that we're going to be done for tonight. You're going to come back next week? Do you think you know somebody in your life that needs to hear this? Just a few of you. Do, Do you think you know somebody in your life that needs to hear this? If you love that person, would you please bring them next week? 1990, August of 1990. Yes, 1990, August of 1990. I'm in the restaurant business at the time. Now, I had convinced myself that the only way that that business could survive is if I worked seven days a week. Okay, there's a man sitting on the front row that could attest what I'm saying is true because he knew me back then. Now, I'm coming to the place where I realize something has to break. I can't stay out of church all the time, and I can't live on recorded messages. We call people up, where you been? We haven't seen your church. Oh, I'm watching online. No, watching online is not the same as being in the church. We put the stuff online to strengthen you so that you can listen to the message again. Because when you stay home, of course, I'm talking to you because you guys are here, but when somebody stays home, I'm listening online. Okay, you're, not, you're not enjoying the fellowship. You're not in worship. Your kids are not getting fed. Okay, so that's how I lived for a good number of years. Okay, my wife would go to church. She'd bring the kids. She'd come home. She'd bring me the, back then. Who remembers cassette tapes? And I would try to live off of those, but I knew that time was up, but I just had so much fear. I had convinced myself, because if you would have told me, if you would have asked me, I would have never told you. But I, on the inside, had convinced myself that there's no way I can do this. If I, if I close on Sundays, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna end up losing this business. Okay. So so it was August the eighth of nineteen ninety. I go to sleep, wake up, and I have a dream. As soon as I wake up, I remember the dream and realize what had happened. In this dream, I'm running. Now this is years ago when I you know, now I would probably make it five steps and that would be it. I'm running, and I'm booking, and I'm running through this, like, jungle or woods or something, and I know there's somebody chasing me with this gigantic knife. And I'm, and I'm running through this, in the dream, I'm running through this woods, and all of a sudden, I hear this loud, angry voice, stop it and turn around right now. And in the dream, I turn around, and the thing that was chasing me disappeared. And, it's, you know, I didn't have to call six people up and say, I had this dream. I knew exactly what the Lord was showing me. If you don't stop operating in fear, okay, you're never going to overcome this enemy and it'll chase you the rest of your life. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so I knew. I woke up that day and I knew right away. I told my wife, we have to, I have to close the business on Sundays. And whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, happens. Okay, I can't do this. I'm enslaved to this fear of loss. If I hadn't made that decision, I would probably still be in that bondage of fear to try to break out of the patterns of life that were keeping me suffocated, okay? Now, the story is, I lost the business anyway, but I was in church. You listening to me? I lost the business anyway, but it needed to be lost because it was time for me to move in to this. But as long as, if, if I, as, long as I just kept making it, and as long as I just kept paying the bills, and as long, now, no, we're not getting rich by any means, but we're, st- we're just making it. We're making it. We're making it. Bills are getting paid, but I'm still in slavery. Okay, we got enough to buy ground beef, but we don't have enough to go buy a steak. You understand what I'm saying? You just make, and the devil loves to keep people in the just making it stage. You listening to me? And God doesn't want us living in the just making it stage. God wants us living in in an atmosphere where we thrive, where he can bring the best out of us that we have to offer to everybody that's around us. But sometimes you've got to take that step and turn around and face the thing that is chasing you. Because it's better to face that thing and suffer some loss and break out of it than to keep trudging and trudging and trudging and trudging. And if you don't think it's possible for to be drawn back into that thing, look at the Israelites. Their condition under Pharaoh was horrific. They get out, they come through the Red Sea, they experience some relief, and as soon as it gets a little tough, What did they start saying to Moses? Oh, that we would have stayed in Egypt. Oh, the melons that we ate. Oh, the cucumbers. You were eating sand and straw. What are you talking about? Your life was horrible. But as soon as that emotion, as soon as that is lifted from us, we start to romanticize what the past was like. And that's the easiest way to get trapped in your past. You look back. I do, forgive me and... I'm going to say it anyway. I do not like to hang around with people that are always talking about the good old days. Honey, 
there has never been any good old days without Jesus. Stop talking like that because you're setting yourself up to go back to those days that you now think were so great when you used to sit in a fetal position in bed begging God to help you. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, did we learn anything tonight? Okay, listen, uh, if you need prayer for anything, please come up. If not, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of this week. Don't forget to be here this week. And ladies, enjoy Friday night. Make sure you get here early because last time there was over 300 women that showed up. Okay, get here early. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.